Welcome into the Locked On Knicks podcast. I'm your host, Gavin Shaw. Alex Wolf has the day off. So today I am joined by the great Ariel Pacheco. He is a contributor for the Strickland. He posts, along with Benji Ritholtz, I got to shout out our guy, the best threads you will ever see on the Knicks on Twitter. Generally awesome dude, great thinker of the game. And I think I think you guys are going to like what he has to say in this one as we talk about everything the Knicks' second preseason game, a massive win over the Washington Wizards, just how good we think the offense can ultimately be, and how R.J. Barrett's game continues to evolve to fit within that offense improvements by Obi Toppin, what we saw from Jericho Sims defensively that has us a little concerned, and so much more right now on Locked on Knicks. You are Locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, and we wanted to thank you, as always, for making Locked On Knicks your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. I am, as always, Gavin Shaw, a resumed play-by-play broadcaster. Had a little uh, high school football yesterday, a lot of fun. Alex is unfortunately not with us today, but he is the editor-in-chief of the Strickland uh, for when he comes back. And just so you all know, he is, in fact, a part of this podcast. But today, we have a very special guest. It is Ariel Pacheco. He, you can follow him on Twitter at APachecoNBA. He posts, him, him and Benji Ridholtz, man, always in the running for the Knicks Thread MVP category. They, they both do an amazing, amazing job breaking down games. He does a lot of work for the Strickland as well. Ariel, as always, welcome to the pod and uh, excited to get to talk to you, man. I genuinely can say, like, I, I think there's no one I'd rather have this conversation with because I, I think you're, you're one of the few people like me who gets way too invested in preseason basketball and breaking everything down and, <laughs> and trying to draw, like, big picture conclusions from it. And I, I really appreciate that. And I, I want to I go down that road with you. First and foremost, thank you for the really kind words. Um, you're you're doing me a lot of justice, so I appreciate you. Um, but yeah, man, um, I'm excited to be here. You know, preseason basketball. You know, a lot of people just skip over it, but I guess like me and you, we're the two nerds that that try to find any little thing that can like clue us into what the regular season might look like. Yeah, because I think that's I think that's exactly what it is, right? It, it's breadcrumbs. It's not necessarily what reality will be, but there are there are hints of truth in there, and I think. The first truth we're seeing right now as the Knicks for the second consecutive game rained down fire from three, went 24 for 52, that's that's 46% from distance, is the quality of shots that this team is going to be able to generate. And, and they did it again without Julius Randle on the night. Obvious qualifier here, they were going up against the Wizards, who were one of the couple of worst uh, defensive teams in the NBA last year, despite uh, shoring that up a little bit this offseason. I, I don't think that is by and large will be very different. So Crucial, crucial qualifier. But that being said, Ariel, like I was, I was just so impressed with the quality of shots that the Knicks were getting throughout this game and, and their willingness to to just ping the ball around. It, it honestly, it reminds me a lot of the 2012-13 team. And granted, may, maybe they don't have that that singular offensive threat that Carmelo Anthony is. But even even without uh, Julius Randle, who I think we both agree is the closest thing to that on the roster, it was so clear that the 
I, I guess the cumulative effect of all the different talent that they have is putting so much strain on defenses already. And it feels like defenders are just like, sprinting around to try and find the next guy but inevitably you're going to get a step behind and this team obviously they're going to get better and better in terms of their chemistry and in terms of making those passes and knowing where other guys like the ball but right now it already looks really really natural and it seems like this team's default setting is being unselfish is making that extra pass is making the next play and and in turn they're getting a lot of wide open threes and I I don't want to make I don't make a Spurs comparison but I will I will make that 12-13 Knicks comparison and I will say that all of that I, I think the strain that they're putting on defense is going to be that much harder when they have a consistent rim runner in the starting lineup. Because we're even seeing it with Jericho Sims in there, that defenses are, are stressed to breaking points by having a high-level lob threat and all shooters around him. Like, like, like we know about everything we know about modern basketball, but this seems like an incredibly high-level version of that. And I'm pinching myself saying that because the Knicks have been the antithesis of that on offense for most of the last 20 years. I mean, I, I agree with everything you just said. I mean, that's the value in like, the, the upgrades the Knicks made, it, a lot of people were kind of, well, I, I guess people that are, like, outside looking in, they were less excited about, like, Fournier and Kemba because, you know, the Boston thing didn't really go that great last year. But well, I think the reason why Knicks fans are so excited about Fournier and Kemba in particular is just that what they do bring, like, what, what they're known for is exactly what this team was missing. They need guys that can shoot and and dribble like it it sounds like kind of simple but it's like guys that can create plays and and make defensive shift and take some of that pressure off Julius Randle and that's the biggest thing we've seen in in these first two preseason games like you mentioned it's that there's there's four or five threats on the floor at all times and when three to four of them can like put the ball on the floor and like create in in a pinch uh, it puts so much pressure on opposing defenses and what we're seeing is that the shot quality is is significantly better than what we saw all of last year. So I guess the the obvious follow up question is how real do you think this is? And and again, like it's it's an unfair question because it is the preseason. And and last night's game I think drove home even even more so than the first one what that meant. Like tonight was was really really sloppy for both teams. Like there there were multiple possessions where, where it looked yeah. like a pickup game where the players like just aren't quite skilled enough to be playing full court and everyone is getting fatigued and you start getting fatigued and you start throwing stupid passes and it, it turned into like like who could cherry pick better than the other team. So I, I think we, we have to maintain that perspective and and kind of keep ourselves grounded a little bit. But at the same time, to your point, like all these guys do have a track record of that kind of success and, and having, and, and I guess creating those advantages and then being willing to move it along. And this off season, like I was, I was kind of preaching that I think people are underrating just how good this Knicks offense is. And mm-hmm. I, I guess maybe, maybe the truest form of this question is, you have to say, I, I'm trying to think of the best way to frame it. it it's all relative, right? Like it, it just feels like, like this is so much better than what we've seen from the Knicks again, outside of the 12, 13 season in such a long time. But it also feels like we're seeing this more and more across the board in the NBA, right? There's more talent than ever. Like I, I look at like a team like Charlotte who is not expected to be all that good this year. Most people don't really expect them to make the playoffs or, or Chicago, another team that's a borderline playoff mm-hmm. team. And in the preseason, they're looking very similar where it's like, how do you stop this, man? There's like, there's, there's five, like everyone can, can pass, shoot and dribble. Like you've all this talent, you've all this shooting, you've all this creativity. Maybe that's, is that just the baseline in the NBA now? And I'm overrating what we're seeing on the Knicks because the Knicks just were so far from that even a year ago where they had a lot of success. Does it only matter on the Knicks because the Knicks, unlike those other teams have potentially have the defense to back it up? Like, I I guess, can you, can you help me put this in perspective 
relative to the rest of the league. Because I think to me, that is that is the one aspect of all this where I want to kind of keep myself down a little bit and say like, all right, they could be amazing on offense, but amazing relative to what? Um, It's tricky. It's a tricky like question because it's like, I mean, what you're seeing is real. Obviously, you see, you're, you're seeing the team perform at a very high level, but it's like, I mean, is it is it is it going to translate? And it's it's tough to answer that. Um, so what what I try to do is I look at the process, and it's like, okay, this is how they generated the shot. Um, I don't necessarily worry about whether the shot is going in or not. It's more so is this process repeatable? And so far through two games, the process looks very repeatable. I don't think they'll be taking fifty plus three pointers every night. Um, I think that that was a little a bit of an aberration, but you can tell that they're trying to generate good three-point shots, corner three-point shots, um, most efficient shot in basketball other than like a layup or dunk. So I think I think it's real, but um, maybe maybe it's not as drastic as we're seeing. Um, I think the thing about preseason is that guys aren't usually going 100% at all times, you know. Uh, the, the effort levels, they, they, they rise, they dip. It, it depends. Also, the Wizards aren't the greatest defensive team, as you mentioned earlier. So you, you got to put that caveat in. Um, but overall, I think you come away, maybe, you know, you, you got to temper your expectations, but you do have to feel good because nothing, the process doesn't feel unsustainable. All right, NBA fanatics, have you heard about prize picks? Prize picks is daily fantasy made easy. I love this, and I know you will too. Prize picks has the best NBA DFS prop game on the market. Prize Picks offers more NBA props than any other DFS prop group operator and offers all the superstar players as well as bench players only recording a handful of minutes each game. Prize Pick offers any prop you can think of, from yardage to touchdowns, even interceptions thrown. All of you that deposit and use our promo code will receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100. Just be sure to use that promo code NBA. You pick two to five players and an over-under on their projection. You can win up to 10 times on any entry, and it's just you versus the projected numbers. Prize Picks allows mixed sport entries. You can take the over on LeBron combined with the under on Mahomes in the same entry. Use the award-winning app on both the App Store and Google Play. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. It's that easy. Prize Picks is safe and offers fast withdrawals. Don't hesitate. Check out prizepicks.com and use promo code MBA or go to your App Store and download the app today. Prize Picks is daily fantasy made easy. I'm I'm, I'm with you 100%. All right, I'm, I'm going to leave it up to you, man. Who's... Who's the first player you want to talk about? Maybe not even like the guy you thought that played the best, but someone who in, in this game or through two games has, has surprised you in some way and said, oh, I didn't really know that he could do that or he couldn't really do that a year ago, but, you, but you're seeing signs of, of real growth in, in, in one guy. Real growth? Um, I'm going to have to go with IQ um, quickly. I'm Yeah. I'm not going to say I'm necessarily shocked by his play um, because he kind of showed signs of it in Summer League. And I know it's Summer League, too. That's, that's even like more of a caveat than, than preseason. But yeah. he, what you see is he's making like that, that next level read where he's coming off the screen and he sees like the weak, the weak side guy tagging the roller and he hits the corner. And he's creating the, these high quality looks that me and you have, have been talking about so far. So I, I'm really impressed by his play. Um, he seems very... Um, compose and like he seems like he knows where he wants to go on the floor and it, it's very like confident looking I was I was doing the rewatch that I always do and and um he really went crazy enough like late third quarter to fourth quarter he he was making like some really like impressive plays that kind of like 
had me shocked because I didn't remember watching that live. But like on the rewatch, I'm like, wow, like he's 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 doing things that like, you know, we've we've been kind of asking for him to 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 do. So overall, I mean, I'm really impressed with IQ. He also brings it defensively too. I think he's a little underrated there too. And another thing that this is very small and it's just me as like a basketball nerd that I just want to mention is that he's a really good screener. And like, if you ever, if you're ever just watching Emmanuel quickly off the ball, he's always like looking to screen someone, and it's just like a little funny thing to 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 watch. For. Yeah, I'm 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 with you 100. percent I think he's he's been awesome, and I like that. I mean, to your point on growth, he's making. I, I don't want to say it's not predetermined reads; it's predetermined manipulations. Like he's like, if I if I pump fake this way, or if I if I fake a pass this way the defender will lean this much in this direction. And then I could throw it to the opposite wing and Kevin Knox will have this much room to get off. That's the three put it. Yeah. And that was not something that was happening with a whole lot of consistency last year. And it's almost, it really, it reminds me of like of a quarterback, like in, in their second year where they're starting to manipulate the defense and they're not letting the defense dictate the terms of engagement. And I think his, his shooting is, I mean, obviously it's, it's, it's his greatest skill, but he's exploring the full repercussions of his shooting now. He's like, yeah. what are all the ways that I can use that ability to make the rest of the game easier for me? And I think we're seeing that happen in real time. And I think the greatest benefit is, and, and we, we, I've said this a bunch with him, is he doesn't have to be like Steve Nash or, or, or Jason Kidd or Chris Paul, like, like one of like the, the truly great, great, great point guards of all time to be a really effective passer and a really effective floor general because his life is that much easier um, by by his shooting. And I, I've said that with Steph all the time. And look, and like Steph, like, honestly, like he has that vision anyway, so it doesn't even matter with him. Yeah. But the degree of difficulty is just so much lower for him. And someone like, I mean, I guess Kid would be the all-time example, like someone who just couldn't really shoot for most of their career. And and quickly, he's, he's really benefiting from that. And then the other play that stood out to me was that it was that self-created step back long two that just looked so smooth and easy. And I'll ex- excuse another football analogy. It was a great college football day yesterday, so I had that <laughs> on the mind. But um, it reminds me almost like when it, when a team like an Alabama or like an Oklahoma or an Ohio State, they'll bring in a freshman off the bench in the fourth quarter that just looks better than all the seniors on the other team. And you're just like, oh, that's that's kind of unfair. Like, how how is that? That guy's not even playing for them yet. And and that's kind of what the vibe like. And I never thought the Knicks would be in this position, much less in two years. That's the vibe I'm getting from quickly right now where he's and, and, and Rose, too, obviously, maybe Obi a little bit where these guys are almost overqualified to come off the bench. And it's like it's kind of it's kind of unfair that their bench guy can like I- isolate and create a step back long too. And, and to your point, like not be a total sieve defensively and contribute in other areas of the game. Like that's just like most people, if you have a player like that, he is going to be starting for you because you cannot afford to not start that guy, but the Knicks have Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier. So it's, I, I think he's, he's a luxury right now would be the best way to frame it. I, I agree. Like there's just, I mean, any way you put it, like you have to be happy with the way IQ is playing. Um, you mentioned like the shot creation. He, um, he's now leveraging his ability to shoot into points for other people, and that's that's the next step in his development as a as a point guard or as a playmaker, whatever you want to, um, whatever term you want to use. Um, in the game against Indiana, I was actually kind of happy with him getting in the paint more, but not settling for the floater. And, and he took two, from what I remember, he took two layups where, where like. They weren't floaters. He got all the way to the rim. And, like, those are the kind of drives to the rim that will, like, even open – will open up even more for him and and others. So, just overall, really good two preseason games from IQ. 
Yeah, I think all the strides we wanted to see from him, you're, you're at the very least seeing signs of them. Uh, the next guy I wanted to ask you about was RJ Barrett, because I thought sort of a mixed bag from him tonight, finished with five turnovers in, in 31 minutes, 18 points, four assists, um, only made one two-point field goal. He was uh, one for four from two-point range, made up for it going four for eight from three, four for six from the foul line. It, I don't want to say, I, I'm definitely not disappointed. I think I'm disappointed in that we have, he hasn't, it felt, it feels like he hasn't had a chance to show growth yet. And that was, if you, if you want to call it a concern and it, it was not a concern because I, I love the position the Knicks are in and it's a luxury to be in this position. But if you, if you want to say quote unquote concern that I had with RJ this year is will he have an opportunity to show the growth in his game when everyone is healthy, because you're going to have obviously a ton of time with Kemba on the ball, a ton of time with Randall on the ball. Fournier is going to take up some possessions. Mitch might've even grown in that respect and be able to do some stuff where he's dribbling and scoring that. That's a much bigger question that we have no idea about, but it's a possibility. And there's a world where RJ's usage is pretty far down from where it was. It definitely his first year, if I'm remembering correctly, and presumably his second year, even as well. And, and today he, or last night, he for points sort of felt like an overqualified spot up shooter. And I know, I know the brilliance of having that is sort of like, like you kind of need that, right, to have the offense we were talking yeah. about at the beginning of this show. You need to have a guy who, who who's not Reggie Bullock standing there and shooting threes. It's that, oh, crap, if I, like, don't close out hard but also in a measured way, he's going to blow by me and he's going to make the next read. So either you got to close out softly, and RJ's turned himself into a shooter now apparently where he's, he's making that shot seemingly 60% of the time if you leave him wide open in the corner. Or to your point, like if you if you really respect that shot, then you close out hard and he gets to make the next pass and keep that machine going around. And all of a sudden, someone like Obi Toppin or Evan Fournier has a wide open top of the paint three. So I don't want to I don't want to underrate the effect of that, right? Like his his talent yeah. level is still being respected and utilized, but that's not quite the same thing as him isoing at the top of the key or, or snaking around a stagger screen and hitting an elbow jumper or getting all the way to the rim. And and again, there there are still moments where he's doing that. And and the trade off, and I think maybe maybe you're going to say this is that he gets to be that much more efficient if he gets to really pick and choose his spots with that stuff instead of when he was as a rookie and, and at points as a sophomore where he just had to put his head down and drive into four people and, and make something happen. But I, I'm curious what you think about that balance because I think it's it's an interesting contrast between saying, oh, that's awesome. He's going to get to be the most efficient version of himself and, and the underlying skill set and the threat that he presents will still benefit the Knicks versus like, I want to see this dude become a superstar. I think um, he's being utilized kind of similarly how he was last year. You know, a lot of pistol action. the the main The main thing with RJ and and how the Knicks utilize him is they're trying to always get him going downhill, and um, it, it works for him because he's a great driver. He's not a great finisher yet. He needs to improve his finishing. I think that will help him take another step in his development. But he's good at getting to the basket, and a lot of the Knicks uh, actions when it involves RJ is just getting him downhill and letting him make the read. And I think. What we're going to see from him this year is that he's going to get a lot of those same uh, types of situations, same same types of actions, but that's where he's going to have to showcase that sort of like growth he's making. Like even in the even in the game against Indiana, he took two pull up jumpers from from mid range. Um, he hit one and missed the other one kind of badly, but like they were both involved like in, in the actions for him. So like he had to create he had to create that look from actions that like are driving him downhill i'm not explaining that 100 percent like correctly sorry about that but my my main point is just that rj is going to be put in positions where they're going to benefit his strengths and until he like shows more of like his off the dribble game i don't think he's going to get those like 
pick and roll, uh, like Kemba Walker type reads at the top of the key. Yeah, I think, I, I guess my point was sort of like, I just, I want to know wh- how much he's improved that. And I feel like so far, like we haven't totally gotten those answers outside of the fact that at least, again, in, incredibly small sample size, his finishing to me still looks kind of shaky around the rim. Yeah, right? yeah. That, that's the scary, that, not the scary thing, but that's the concerning thing is, is yeah. the, the finishing around the rim. I will say he does look a little bit more fluid. Um, he, he took like a, a, a little baby movement three-pointer uh, uh, yesterday, which is, which is uh, a positive sign. Like I mentioned, he took the pull-up uh, mid-range jumper. So, I mean, he's showing a little bit of growth, but it's like it's like very small, like, baby steps. And, like, I know a lot of Knicks fans are, like, excited to, like, see R.J. Barrett, like, be, be unleashed. Um, but I think it's going to be just because the the way the offense is, uh, Fournier is going to get his touches, Kemba's going to get his touches, Julius is going to get his touches. I don't think he's going to have, like, the free reign to really, like, show off what he's what he's working uh what he's been developing all right guys let's take our second break and remind you that we're back and better than ever all eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season as always bet online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this year with a new updated site and interface even more odds props and contests bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code locked on to receive your bonus from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports bet online where the game starts. And today's episode is also brought to you by our all-time favorite, Bilt Bar. Did you know that Bilt Bar has so many delicious flavors? There's something for everyone. When you talk to a Bilt Bar fan, they're definitely passionate about their faves. If you don't know the Bilt Bar flavors, well, you're missing out. Coconut, Cherry Barcia, Raspberry, Mint Brownie, Double Chocolate, Salted Caramel, Strawberry, Orange, Cookies and Cream, German Chocolate. You guys know I love the coconut anything. Coconutty in a bar. It's it's for me. If you haven't tried all the flavors, you can get a mix box where you get two of each of the nine flavors. Not only built bar flavors the best tasting, they're relatively healthy too. Check out the macros: 17 to 18 grams of protein, calories ranging from 130 to 180, only four to five grams of sugar, and only four to five grams net carbs. Amazing flavors, all tasty, all healthy. If you order today and get the grasshopper cookie or raspberry or whatever you like. You can go to built.com and use our fantastic promo code LOCK15 and get, you guessed it, 15% off your order using promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. And I want to remind you, Built Bar is the official protein bar of the U.S. track and field team. Isn't that neat? Yeah, and I think, and, and this, is, this is a qualifier that we, we keep giving. Like, there will be windows for all this stuff, right? Like Kemba's going to miss a whole lot of games, probably. Rose is going to miss a whole lot of games, probably. Guys, like... RJ and IQ, who I've, 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 I've noted that I, I think to some extent, not obviously I hope everyone stays healthy, but I think inevitably you are going to get kind of the best of both worlds where those guys get to have the training wheels on most of the time and, and, and sort of poke and prod and, and, and push parts of their game. But mm-hmm. we'll always have the safety of saying, Hey, if it's not going well on a particular night, Kemba Walker is like, he's a capital P professional. Evan Fournier, capital P professional. Julius Randle, he, he falls into that category at this point. Like these are guys who who know who they are for years at this point and know how to win one-on-one and in, in any context, basically, in the NBA. And they'll be able to handle it on, on the nights where like they push those limits and then it kind of come crashing back to earth. Uh, next guy I want to go to 
is I'm deciding between two, but let, let, let's just get it out of the way. Kevin Knox, man, uh, great shooting, <laughs> four for six from distance, 12 points, 20 minutes, six boards, plus eight, awesome stuff. And, and by the same token, I'm, I'm 100. I saw what you, you put out on Twitter that like, man, but his defense just isn't good enough still. And I'm and that's, that's what pains me with Kevin Knox is like, it feels like for his whole career, he's had the same issues on that end. And his rookie year, maybe part of it was just saying like, like because he was he was just an abject disaster defensively as a rookie, and yeah. I was kind of saying like, all right, but most people are as rookies. Like it's pretty rare to be close to average, but that just it just has not gotten a whole lot better. And like, look, I don't want to again. The sample size is small. Like it's possible he's made real strides on that end. But my biggest issue with him was always like the awareness on, on both ends of the floor, and like really thinking the game. And offensively, I think he's he's made some improvements. Like he had he had a really nice little like interior slip pass. I think it was to Sims at one point off a little like pump and drive. That again, maybe a play he wouldn't have made a few years ago. But to me, at least with him, everything still feels like very very mechanical. And maybe it's it's sort of ridiculous to be bringing him up this early in the show because he's a guy who, again, barring like a couple of injuries, probably won't be playing much of a role for the Knicks, and this will probably be his last season on the Knicks. But I. I think it's worth mentioning just to caution the people who who watched that tonight and like got really excited about him saying, oh, and we have this like tall, like movement shooter off the bench. And maybe, look, maybe he is that guy. Maybe he has made real improvements. But I, I think I just got to pump the brakes there as much as much for myself as anyone else, because I, I would I would love the the fourth year Kelly Oubre style surprise. They're like, oh, wait, this guy's actually good, too. Yeah. Uh, the thing with Knox is, as you mentioned, it's like. I don't think too many people, even like his harshest critics, are like concerned about him being able to hit like open three pointers. I think if if he's shown anything in the NBA is that he can kind of like knock down a corner three pointer. Um, so, but with me, it, it was just concerning because there were a couple of drives to the basket, namely like one Kuzma just like took him straight to the rim, showed like provided like basically no resistance. Um, it was a free layup, and then Spencer Dinwiddie. Spencer Dinwiddie is one of the best uh, drivers in the NBA, so I mean that's fair, but. Again, didn't really show any resistance. He also fouled Bertans on a three-pointer. It's just like, for him, it's good. It's good for him to to get that confidence. And, you know, he knocked down, you said, four or six three-pointers. But un- until he shows, like, legitimate growth on the defensive end, it's going to be hard for him to get any kind of minutes. The rotation is practically set in stone, like, as you keep saying, you know, barring injury. But it's hard to see him really carving out a role if he – if he's like still having the same issues he's been having for the first three seasons of his career, though it is good to see him, you know, uh, make some shots and you know play well offensively. So you know, shout out to him. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm rooting for the guy. Like I was, I I'm, I'm sure you felt the same way. I was kind of heartbroken when he didn't get to have summer league this year. Like I I wanted to see him go on that stage and and kick ass and like compliment all the other Knicks young guys. Like I'm hoping it. I mean, and and here's the thing. Like there's. If he if he can get to like from terrible to below average on defense, like there's still a long NBA career out there for a six foot eight guy with plus athleticism who can who can really shoot. And it seems like to his credit, because early in his career, like the shot looked good, didn't consistently go in. It seems like he's turned himself into a legit shooter. So that's that's not nothing. Yeah. Um yeah. let's uh you wanna go Obi Toppin next or, or, or who do you want to talk about? We can go Obi. Let's go Obi. Okay, cool. What did, what did you what did you think of Obi? Because I think uh, I like he kind of came on late in this game. Like initially, wasn't doing very much offensively. Um, had a really nice like moon ball of like a long three late. Had a little duck in for like a, a nifty lefty finish that I, I honestly I just don't think a year ago he would have had the coordination for. But 
I don't know. In in general, he I would put him right up there with IQ in terms of guys. I I think, and, and it makes sense, obviously, them being the two year two players, but guys who made really big strides. And I'm I'm just in, I'm, I'm I'm forever interested to see how someone like Obi can fit into the context of this team because I think him and we didn't totally see it tonight, but just in general, like him getting spot minutes with the starters in Randall's place, like at least on offense. And and I know you were pointing out his defense on Twitter. Um, that's, that's really enticing to me. Like a guy with his athleticism with, with that much room to operate. Yeah. He, he's like a very intriguing, like prospect, you know, he's like a tweener, uh, like between positions, like he's like kind of like a hard four, which you don't really see much of in today's NBA. You're either like a, a big three or like a small five and he's, he's just like firmly a four right now. So it's, it's like unique, um, in that sense. Um, but yeah, he's been, I was really impressed with his defense as you, you mentioned, um, I thought he was like he he got a block on Harrell like right at the rim. He met him right at the rim off the vert. Um, and then he also got a steal in the post. So he was like he was very active and he was um kind of trying to help cover for Sims who was like a little lost out there at times. Um, but offensively, you know, he he did come on late. In the beginning, he was kind of meh offensively, and then uh, towards the end, you know, he got the lob from Fournier, which I think was it, it was a small play in the grand scheme of things, but it, I, I think. What that play showed is that now that he's surrounded by so much more shooting and playmaking, um, those kind of cuts to the basket are going to be more available. Defenses are probably going to cheat off him in those lineups because, you know, he's a second-year guy and he struggled for such a long period of time in his first year. But he's shown enough of a significant improvement now that I think um, defenses should be a little bit concerned with him. Um, and he, he also he's showing, like, a lot more confidence in his three-point shot dating back to summer league. I've noticed that he he likes to take like that transition uh three pointer on the wing. Seems comfortable taking it. Seems comfortable making it. So a lot to like from Obi. Um, I liked how he looked at the starting lineup. It was interesting. You know, we didn't really get to see much of that at all last year. So it was a nice little like uh quirk to today's game. Yeah, especially with uh, floor spacing uh, king Taj Gibson out there draining uh, turnaround <laughs> jumpers from, from 12 feet away. I mean, we, we, we've had a running joke about Taj being on HGH, but it seems increasingly like less of a joke. <laughs> it doesn't really, might, might really be. We, we, I think we, I, I don't know if you knew this, but we pointed this out in our player preview. He's had, I think, three of the four best field goal percentage seasons of his career in the last three seasons. Which what? maybe partially is like a smaller role, but that usually doesn't happen to like bigs in their mid thirties who are not. Are, I mean, regardless of their athleticism, that's not that's not really typical in the, in the modern NBA. So, uh, shout out to Taj Gibson. I don't really understand how he's doing it, but he's he continues to be um, amazing. Um, all right, well, you, you met you just mentioned Evan Fournier, so I just I love his fit, right? Like he he didn't really have a great shooting game. He was three for nine from the field, two for seven from three, but got to the line um, for six free throws, made every single one of them, had two assists. The the one to Obi that you mentioned was, was brilliant. Like he was a really good, like sort of last second, like bailout read, like, Oh crap, I got him. Let me, let me hit him. Um, And I just, I like his, his willingness to fit in while still being aggressive, I think is, is the most encouraging thing about all this and maybe it was a little bit of it was like him and Kemba got some chemistry last year but and I assume this was for a play but I love that he felt comfortable just like sprinting up to Kemba at one point and literally just asking for a dribble handoff like he 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 clearly I mean you can you can hear it in interviews for him when he talked about like I think it was Stephen Bondi like kicking his ass in, in judo or something like like he's got a little swagger to him but it's not it's not over the top it's not counterproductive like to me just personality wise and skill wise he seems like such a perfect fit. 
And it's it's not only exciting to me as like a Knicks fan and from a Knicks perspective, it's exciting to me as like as someone who like takes a lot of joy when a player finally finds that perfect team and especially someone who's been on bad teams for a lot of their career and then then gets the right spot. Like kind of like I, I'm trying to think of like a great example that like Sean Livingston on the Warriors or, or Andre Iguodala on the Warriors. Um, I mean, there, there's a bunch historically, but I really think Fournier's found that like after years and years of sort of being stranded in, in the Orlando wilderness where he was, he was just simply asked to do too much for his talent level and, and honestly did a pretty like noble and, and, and good job of, of going about it and going about being their best player, slotting him in as the third or fourth guy on this Knicks team. Like it, again, er, early goings, but it just, to me, it feels, it feels perfect. And, and I'm really excited to see what he does. Yeah, I really like the Fournier uh, signing. I think he's, like you mentioned, he's a great fit. I um, think this could be a home for him. Um, I mean, he signed th- for, for three years and, and a team option. But the thing about Fournier is what makes him such a good fit is that he's not just a shooter. And he has that, like, element of playmaking and, and shot creation. And he can draw the fouls. And, and what that does, it just adds another layer to your offense. And... We're seeing it, even though he's struggling to his shots, he's still able to provide something on that end. Um, that's probably the biggest difference between him and Bullock offensively. If Bullock wasn't hitting shots, yeah, he provided spacing, but he didn't really provide much else on that end. Um, the thing I was most looking forward to to watching before uh, Randall was uh, out for personal reasons, like in the first game, he and Randall kind of had a similar, a couple of similar plays that reminded me of Randall and Bullock last year. So like. I'm very curious to see how their two-man game develops and how much uh, like more nuanced it can be now that Fournier can put the ball on the floor and, and create a little more and get to the basket some. So very intrigued to see how the Randall-Fournier uh, duo looks because the Bullock-Randall uh, duo was so good last year and uh, Fournier has that added element of it to his offense. So very curious to see how that two go- uh, two-man game goes. And I hope we get to see a little bit more of it before the preseason ends. Yeah, I think to your point, it's going to be pretty unstoppable. And that's, and that's what's so exciting about... This Knicks team is like, again, like the ecosystem around that is Kemba Walker, 40% three-point shooter. RJ Barrett, maybe, maybe a 40% three-point shooter. Mitchell Robinson, all-time leader in field goal percentage in a single season. Like you have you have all the elements around those two to say, you, you can't really pour extra attention there because if you do, they're both such good passers, even outside of the context of that two-man environment and like improvisers, that they're gonna they're gonna burn you um if you exactly. if you pay too much attention to it. All right. Um I'm trying to think if there's anyone really important we haven't hit. Uh, Burks was wasn't very good. I don't really he, he's 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 a very good player in general. I don't really have a lot to say. Uh, Kemba Walker, it felt like he was on cruise control all night. Like he hit hit two nice threes, had four assists, had four rebounds, took a charge, which he's been very good at his whole career. Not a lot to add there. Derek Rose, awesome, 15 points, eight assists, two steals. Uh, throw anything out there you want on him, but I, I think we could we could maybe wrap this up with Jericho Sims, who statistically had a very good game, seven points. 13 boards, three steals, one block. And I know you were you were noting this as well. I thought he was, for the most part, with, with a couple of exceptions, a, a disaster defensively and, and kind of showed why, all right, this is as, as excited as I was um, for him in summer league. And like, and the fact that again, like, as I noted, like his, his gravity is a very real thing on, on an NBA level. Like there was a reason that a lot of people were saying, even though he was literally the 58th pick, he was probably the best big man athlete in the draft, maybe along with like, the Jalen Greens of the world, like the best athlete in the draft period. Like, like teams are wary of that. And he's, he's a problem underneath the rim offensively, whether it's rebounding, whether it's getting put back dongs, 
um, whether it's just running in that general direction. And, and all that being said, there, there's there's a reason he went late second round. It's because he's, he's a long, long, long way to go to playing NBA-level defense. Yeah, he, he's going to benefit from the G League a lot. He's on that two-way deal. So he, he's going to get burned in the, in the G League, and it'll be a, very good for him. Um, I hope people don't take this as like a criticism of him. He, he he's, he's playing hard out there, and, and he's doing good, but... He's just like out of position a lot and he's kind of like antsy defensively. Like he'll jump at every fake and like, you know, he's just like he wants to make like kind of the home run play every time down. And it's something that like you learn with, with reps and time. So so nothing too major. But he, he is he he does have a way to, ways to go. I know a lot of people have like kind of been clamoring for him to like be the backup center, which is I think is completely unrealistic. Um, the Tibbs isn't going to uh, play Sims over Gibson, Mitch or Noel. But um. Just just from his game last night, um, he did put up good counting stats and stuff, but I, I do think he was a, a disaster. Um, one thing I will say is you kind of touched on it a little bit. His roll gravity is is very real, just like you said. He a lot of the those corner threes were created just because he was diving to the rim and he dives hard. And the guys have to cheat over from the corner and, and tag him, or if not, it's a lob or, or a dump a dump, drop off pass. So a lot of those corner threes were as a result for him, uh, of his roll gravity. So Sims Sims has a lot of like very exciting tools. He's a ways to go. I think he's about a year away at least minimum to to, to really being like a a meaningful contributor. But um, for the fifty eighth pick, you you can't really ask for much more. Hey man, you know it's, it's better than being two years away from being two years away. So <laughs> it's only baby steps. The classic um, line. Yeah, it was iconic. Uh, it turned out to not be true, but that's that's another story. Um, <laughs> Maybe maybe four from four. All right, uh, but Quinn Grimes. Um, I, I wanted to just just because I saw you mention something on Twitter about being high on him. Uh, not not like not that there's anything like uniquely incredible in this game. Came off the bench, hit two threes in two minutes. That, that was good to see. But I, I'm kind of wondering your your long term take on him because I know you were saying that you were high on him and and similar to you, I I got excited by like as like I was really down on him early in summer league and then as it went along, I was like, oh, there's like there's there's little stuff here, like little flashes of playmaking of of like beating a closeout of, of the three point shooting being like for real, for real, like, like really, really, really high level. Um, but I'm, I'm fascinated. Like Alex and I had this conversation about him on the podcast the other day. And we were sort of wondering like, is this guy on the Obi top and trajectory of even if he's, even if he's really good. And obviously like, Obi was a little different because Obi really struggled like the, at, at the beginning of his rookie year, like as, as well as he's doing now, like there's no, there's no denying that. And obviously Obi was like, 30 when he came into the NBA and that's not that's not true for Grimes like he just turned yeah. 21 if I'm remembering correctly um all, all that being said clearly going to be behind RJ Barrett forever um and for the time being like Alec Burks has a lock on that rotation spot and the Knicks invested in in two years of Alec Burks and that contract is pretty tradable so I think if there's a world where, where Grimes is is setting the practice facility on fire like raining threes maybe that's something the Knicks act on I I wouldn't I would hesitate to say this season because I, I don't think they make any move in season that downgrades their chances of winning this year but maybe next deadline that's something we're looking at but I'm sort of curious what you think like he can do going forward given that there seem to be like these very real roadblocks like regardless of how good he is or, or how much he could contribute right away to him actually being able to do that uh, the reason why I'm kind of higher on him than I think the general consensus is like just watching his college games he, he kind of flashed these like uh very subtle like uh moments of like shot creation where he's like he just has these has these and then like pulls up and he, he drills it and it looks so smooth and, and and clean um i think there's a lot of i think he's a versatile shooter i don't like 
the three and D term is kind of uh, it, it, it fits, but it doesn't really like give the whole picture. Because a guy like Bullock is technically a three and D guy, but I can't even think of someone else more. Uh, but the three and D term it, it's kind of limiting in the sense that he can come off curls, he can he can shoot off the catch and shoot any dribble handoffs. He's comfortable. He has deep range. I think why I like Grimes so much is just that. He's not just a spot up shooter. He can he can attack a closeout. He won't attack it all the way to the rim because that's kind of that's kind of the biggest like flaw with his, his offensive game is he he's kind of he shies away from from driving to the basket, but he can attack a closeout and pull up or he can make the the simple read. Um, I don't think he's like all star potential or anything like that, but I think he can be like potentially like a starter. Not on this probably not on this next team because as you mentioned, R.J. Barrett has that position locked down probably for like the next decade, but. Grimes, I think the the thing with Deuce, Grimes, and, and like Sims, they're like the third stringers, fourth stringers of the roster. But I think why it's they're on the team is I think there's going to be a major trade at some point, maybe this year, maybe next year. I don't know. Whenever the next star that's available um, asks out, and I think they're going to be like the next wave of the bench. Um, that's my like theory on it. Um, I don't know what you think about that. No, I'm. I'm going to agree. I, I really think it's, and I mean, maybe this will, some people need to cover their ears for this, but I think it's very analogous to what we saw the Nets doing a couple of years ago, right? Where they kept hitting on guys late in the first round and that paid off for them in, in being able to go and get James Harden because they could throw in Jared Allen as, as sort of the, the thing that pushed that deal over the top. And, and they had all these extra pieces that like they could afford Dinwiddie getting hurt, and they could trade D'Lo a little earlier than people thought, and they could trade Karis LeVert. Um, again, as I believe that was yeah, that was also part of the Harden deal. Yeah. Um, but but then still be left over like when, when when the dust settled, like oh, we still have Joe Harris, who we took from nothing to being one of the best shooters in the NBA. We still found like I mean this this, this was a separate move, and like later on, we still found a guy like Bruce Brown off the scrap heap, and and there's still like like Elise. Elise Johnson, who was playing pretty well for them last year, like that, that was sort of the brilliance of the Nets and, and Sean Marks the last few years, I think, is that they kept finding those guys in, in, in places where most teams do not find players of that caliber. And I think, I, I, I'm hope, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that we're, we're starting to see similar things from the Knicks where like at 25, like the average return on that guy is not like a high level, again, maybe a limiting term, but it is not a high level three and D player. The average mm-hmm. return um, on your early second round pick is not like one of the best defensive guards in the basketball who could in basketball, who can also like create his own shot. Um, the average return at the 58th pick is not, is not a backup center who, if he figures out things defensively, like is, is pretty dangerous as a rim runner and like maybe as a rim protector on the other end. And again, th- that's sort of the, the most optimistic version of, of all the guys the Knicks took. But you're looking at Obi Toppin and Emmanuel quickly, and you're seeing like, all right, even like Obi, like if he continues to improve, then he is probably right around the average return at the eighth pick. He's not going to be a star, but most most guys you get at eight like are are like the the average, not not the median, but the mean is is someone who's about that good. And someone like Emmanuel quickly could so far transcend his draft slot. And, and to your point, to ultimately become a great team. You need that kind of ammo where you can make that star trade and still have a team around what you have left. And I think the Knicks are are building in that insurance right now. So I, I think it's I think it's a great point by you. Yeah, they, they just have a ton of trade chips. I mean, uh, I know nobody really likes to talk about the Knicks young guys as like trade chips. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's been so long since they've had 
young guys that promising. And you're like, Oh, but I think the nets like went through the same thing where like I, I was covering them for a year. And like, I, my friend who I was doing the podcast with, like, well, it was a huge nets fan. He was kind of queasy about it. He's like, Oh, do we really want to like trade that for Harden? And then you actually see Harden on the nets and you're like, Oh yeah, if we stay healthy, like they're, they would, they would have gone, I don't know, like, like 16 and one and won, won the championship. Yeah. Right. Um, and you're like, oh, that, that was, that was worth it. But at the same time, you're like, Oh, but I really like it. So it feels like, feels better when it's, when it's the guys that you like grew up watching and, and watch them grow. But at the same time, the Knicks, like the beauty of what they're trying to do is you can have a little bit of the best of both worlds. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, it's natural to grow attached to these guys. You know, you watch them get drafted and, and you watch them develop, you watch them grow, you want to reap the benefits kind of, of, of their careers. So, I mean, it makes sense. Um, but yeah, I think realistically the Knicks are, are big game hunting and eventually there will be a deal unless something in free agency happens. Um, but I do think eventually they will trade for someone. There's just there's a lot of young talent on the team, and it's going to be hard to to kind of get everybody playing time. And, you know, guys are eventually – while people – while the Knicks are, are kind of building, like, a, a family kind of culture, um, eventually guys are going to want to do what's best for them, and, you know, guys will get unhappy eventually. So that's, like, way further down the line, though. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I think – Guys like Grimes and Deuce, what they do is they kind of they give you more flexibility to to make moves and make decisions because you know like you you have you have that extra ammo in any kind of deal or if you just need them to to be backup guys on that next uh, on your championship level team. Yeah, it's it's exciting, and again, we're uh, this is. I think we're taking advantage of preseason to be literally as optimistic as possible. But we've, we've had, you know, we I think I think we've earned it. We've had a lot of a lot of pessimism as Knicks fans over the years. But but Ariel, uh, thank you so much for joining me, man. Uh, your insight is always appreciated. And uh, before before I send you out, can you tell people uh, where they can find all your work and uh, anything you have uh, coming up in the, in the near or distant future? Um, just follow me on Twitter, uh, a Pacheco MBA um that i post uh, every everything that i do will be um on my twitter so just follow me on twitter and you can stay up to date with me all right uh with that we wanted to thank everyone one final time for making locked on Knicks your first listen every day uh we will be back early next week um to continue our player preview series getting into some of the really big guns the kemba walkers the julius randalls and now i want to remind you to make your second listen locked on fantasy basketball josh lloyd hosts the number one daily fantasy basketball show on the planet and it's free and available on all platforms so you have no excuse not to go check it out peace out and we'll talk to you soon